Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 18th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are at page 80, paragraph the first paragraph before taking this drastic action. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Cassandra, the 12 Traditions, Anne Marie, and our readers are Michelle H., Larry, and Sally. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, June 17th, is 6510. 6510. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cassandra H. to please read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Cassandra H. Good morning, visionaries. This is Cassandra H., a compulsive overeater from Georgia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous are, one, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Three, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or ourselves. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. Thanks, Cassandra H. I will now ask Anne-Marie to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Anne-Marie? Good morning. This is Anne-Marie, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message, its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, a public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle before personalities. Thank you, Anne-Marie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 80 at the first paragraph beginning with before taking this drastic action. I will now ask Michelle H. to please begin our reading. Michelle? Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. Before taking drastic action, 
which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. And so, you know, we're in the chapter into action. We're being asked to take more action. We're given directions um, on what to do in taking this action in step nine. And um, I couldn't help this morning but notice that the word drastic is used twice in this short little paragraph. And um, so I looked it up in the Big Book Dictionary, and it says, you know, extreme, severe, or radical. And then it says going to the root or source in nature. So we are getting to the root of, um, you know, these obstacles that, are, that we're clearing from our channel. And so where else did, did Bill use the word drastic? It just um, really um, it just jumped out at me. And so on page 76, he said we're taking a drastic self-appraisal. And then on page 42, he said this is a program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. And so, you know, these are when things are drastic, I might balk. I might want to, um, to not go forward. I might want to shrink. And so Bill knows that. Uh, he knows my, my human nature. And so he's given me directions that what I need to do is be guided by, by being considerate of others. Might this implicate other people? If so, I need to get their consent. Um, if I've obtained permission, okay, then what? I need to consult with other experienced recovered people to get their perspective um, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this. This is a new experience for me, and others are willing to share and guide me. And then ask God to help, you know, pray, pause, ask for his guidance and direction because he is now my director. And then, then if it's indicated, um, I must continue because this is an important step. This is the action step that's needed to clear the channel to, to, so that I can be in conscious contact with my higher power, completely clearing that channel to be of service. And so I'm guided by, by principles of being considerate of others. Um, I'm not, in the old days when self, I was guided by guilt. I wanted to re- get relief. I wanted ease and comfort. And guilt is selfish. It's a selfish motive. I'm only looking out for myself. So these are these are principles of con- being considerate of others, consulting others, asking for help. Those are recovered, and and also asking asking for God's help. Have God in my heart, love in my heart, and if this drastic, extreme, necessary, getting to the root um, step is indicated, then I go forward with God and His strength and His courage. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. And who would like to comment this morning on what was read in this paragraph? Lauren S. Sure. Lauren, go ahead. Thank you. Lauren S., as in Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we, we obtained their consent. So this is the practice that I did when I was doing my amends, and I still do amends today. I still have some that come up. Um, I had two loving step guides guide me through this, and one had me write a card with my harms on it, and another had me write a card to make the approach, whether it was um, on the phone or if I had to write a letter to the person because, you know, 
who was a guy. Then I made the approach in writing. But of, of the amends I've made, I think I've made about 33 face-to-face. About three were letters, so most are face-to-face. And the, the approach was something like, you know, hi, Joe, this is Lauren Saggio. I'm in program of recovery for compulsive overeating, and I'm here to make amends for things I've done in the past. Part of my program is to thoroughly review my past, and I realized I made, a, made, a, made harms that I'd like to make amends. Would you be willing to meet face-to-face? I'm available, you know, Saturday at noon and Sunday at 4. Would this be okay with you? And then whatever you decide, thank you for being a part of my recovery. And I kind of, I don't know the exact wording I used because I would actually read off my note card in the beginning, but now I, I kind of just wing it. And if it's not, if it's a coworker or more of a 10th step off the cusp of end, I might go to the person and say, hey, Joe, do you have a moment? I, I was just reviewing my behavior, and I, I don't like the way I treated you. Do you have a moment if I, if I could sit down and discuss, you know, if there might have been anything that I could have done differently or how my behavior made you feel, and then just listen to them. So amends are necessary, and just what we got to do when we're clearing our channel, like was just mentioned. Thanks, I'll pass. Thanks, Lauren. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Well, this is Katie G. I'll take a moment. Um, I loved this. I mean, it's talking about before taking this drastic action where this guy is going to you know, um, go to jail if his ex insisted um, when he's making amends. Um, but to talk, you know, about to be mindful of the welfare of others. That's kind of what I cue into, right? And um, in Bill's story, he talks about how Bill is naturally unmindful of the welfare of others. And and I, I can be this way. Like when I was making my amends, I was like, oh, well, I've got to move forward and I need to feel good and feel better and this is about me, and it's not, right? This is about setting right the wrongs. This is about life and death. This is about if I don't restore harm, eventually eating is going to be a step up from how I feel about myself, right? And um, my sponsor, just like the previous speaker said, was very clear. Um, I actually found that people, and this is just my experience, got confused with the word amends. Um, and so I said, you know, gosh, I, uh, I've been looking back on our our relationship, and um, I owe you an apology for how I behaved. Do you have time to meet with me? And um, my sponsor made very clear, this is I'm to go to them. I'm to make it convenient for them. I'm the one who's done damage, right? And I, and I show up, and I'm gracious, and I, I say the amend in very specific ways. I don't, you know, go on about how I was sick and not feeling good. I don't make excuses. I just say I was wrong. I can imagine that if I were you, I would feel like this. I would not want to be in touch with me. And then also following up with, did I miss anything? Is there anything you'd like to add? And how can I set right this wrong? You know, and um, it is. It's a drastic action, extreme and radical, and I naturally want to draw back and avoid it. You know, I was, I was scared. How are people going to respond? And, you know, not everybody responded with, hey, Katie, you're a great person. In fact, most people gave me feedback that I still take to heart, like, hey, Katie, you're really driven, 
And if you had some people skills, you might be successful, you know, and, uh, and they're right. You know, and the other thing that was really important is obtaining their permission and, and consenting to it, right? So when I first approached my mom, I wanted to make amends. She did not, she, she couldn't wrap her head around it. Her permission was, I did not get permission. So what is my job? To be mindful of her welfare and to not put my needs to check someone off the list so I can say I've done an amends in front of her need to say no. Like, I can respect that. You know, God makes steps right all the wrongs. And so um, I just love it. I love these specific instructions. If you're new and you're overwhelmed, we are on step nine. There are eight steps that you need to do before you get here. And if you're on the, you know, ninth step, talk with others. I found the more, you know, I talked to other people and followed specific directions, the better, um, the more clear I got. So what a privilege this is and um, would love to, to hear everybody else's experience. So please. Chime in if you'd like to comment on this paragraph. Sarah. Sarah W., go for it. Thank you, Katie G. <laughs> this is Sarah W. from Iowa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I just wanted to read this step first before I share because I think it's uh, important. It says, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. I can remember um, I had been extremely rude to a woman that children were in with my grandchildren, and we were doing um, uh, after-school function together. And I had embarrassed her in front of her children uh, because I had been very... um, uh, I had felt I had felt that she had uh, been rude to me, and then I had embarrassed her and been extremely rude to her in front of her children and other people. <clears throat> and so when I when I went to make the amend, and I thought Lauren did a great job of of really explaining how we do that. You know, I was taught that you're supposed to let the person know that you are in recovery and that you um, would, would like to uh, to let them know that you had done a wrong to them and is there a time where we could meet. And when I did that, uh, I did that on the phone because I kept trying to catch her and I just couldn't seem to do that. And she refused me. Uh, she said she didn't want to talk to me and that this was something that she didn't want to have anything to do with. And so my sponsor had me write out um, a email to her and just explain and uh, basically uh, what I did was I let her know that I was wrong to uh, have spoken to her disrespectfully and that uh, I was truly sorry for any harm that I caused her uh, especially regarding her children and her reputation or how she felt and if there was any way that I could uh, make restitution for that, I was willing to do that. And when I sent that, I had such a sense of relief. That that was one of the hardest ones because it was really, uh, you know, she truly did not want to deal with me at all. And I really realized my, my part in it. 
And I think one of the biggest things that, that this asks us, you know, it, it gives us so many different directions in this one small paragraph. You know, we have to obtain permission. Uh, we have to consult with others. You know, I, yeah, I, I know uh, a lot of times, um, you know, I can be like a bulldozer. You know, I just want to do it the way I want to do it. I want to get it off my chest, and that's not the purpose of it. And I think most importantly, you know, we have to ask our higher power before we walk into the action and also before we write the action. I think the whole process has to be very God-directed um, and it is drastic. I, I like what Michelle shared about that too. And, it, and the word must is in there uh, and I think that's a, an extremely important thing too. Um, this is going to be the gateway to freedom for me. And for all of us, we can't walk away from this part of the steps. And it is a difficult part because we really have to look at our side of the street. It's truly seeing the wrongs that we've done and truly making restitution for them as best we can. And, uh, you know, very grateful for it and uh, grateful for the meeting. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And who else would like to comment on what was read? And if we have nobody else, then I will welcome Larry to, to move our reading on. I'm just going to give it one more moment. Anybody else want to share on this paragraph? Sheila from Boston. Sure, Sheila, please go ahead. Yeah, it's a great paragraph. And uh, I just want to reflect back when I did this step years ago, and I had my list, and, oh, I was so excited. And um, so I called this friend that I had harmed, and I certainly didn't consult God, and it was terrible. She was so angry and flipped out. And I got off the phone, and I, um, you know, talked to my sponsor about it, and I realized that, God absolutely has to be in charge of this process of making amends. Um, and it's so freeing. Uh, I've done it many different ways over the years, through letters, talking to people, phone. Um, and, and a big part is changing my behavior, especially with my daughters. But I did write an amends last night. I went to God first. And even though I wasn't in the wrong, I needed to heal my side of the street. I needed to heal my broken heart. So I wrote to my sister and I just let her know that I was sorry for my part in our discourse and that I loved her. And I haven't, oh, I felt so good about it. And I did it for me. I did it with God's grace. And, um, you know, it, it freed me up because when I'm hanging on to any of that, I can't function and I can't serve God. So I'm grateful to be here this morning and very grateful for all of you being here. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. And I think we're ready to move on. So, Larry, please go ahead. Thanks, Katie G. Uh, Larry, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Okay, this brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While, uh, while drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. 
He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. Well, this is um, a great example of you know, the power of amends and, you know, when we, when we look at, um, you know, amends, you know, again, the principle behind this is, is justice. You know, we're trying to make, making amends is more than an apology. I know for me, my addiction created, you know, some moral wreckage like this guy. You know, people like me that become addicted to uh, to their binge foods or, or, or other substances might, you know, lie, cheat, steal uh, in order to get our drug of choice or to, you know, to, to, to push down feelings. And, and for me, what was left behind is an utter trail of shattered relationships. So in those situations, what I find is apologies won't do. You know, in our program, it calls for amends instead. Amends are change. And in step nine, we're making, again, direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So, you know, carrying out these steps, like with this this example that we just read, is it's a delicate process. And for me, you know, it called for guidance from a sponsor, someone who had walked this pathway prior to me. Because, you know, my sick mind would have had me making amends uh, as soon as I walked into the rooms, I wanted to unburden myself, you know. So, you know, how how do amends, you know, differ from apologies? Well, an amend has to do with restoring justice as much as possible. And, you know, the idea um, is to restore it in a direct way, that which we've, you know, broken or damaged, make restoration, you know, in a symbolic way if, um, if we can't do it directly. So um, in this case, he gets up in front of, you know, his, his entire congregation, and, and, and this is the way that he goes about making amends. You know, for example, if I borrowed, you know, $20 from you and, and I never paid it back, you know, I can go up to you and say, gee, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I borrowed, you 20, you know, borrowed $20 and spent it on Doritos and donuts, you know. But that, that would be an apology. You know, making amends is giving you your money back. So, you know, step nine suggests that we, you know, that we do that. Um, and, and, but in certain cases, we avoid making direct amends. You know, I, I wouldn't run home to my spouse um, after going to the Vision for You meeting and, gee, honey, you know, I had a wonderful time in the Vision for You, you know, uh, uh, meeting. I learned all about rigorous honesty 
And I, I, I really just am so inclined to apologize to you for the affair I had five years ago. You know, that's, that's clearing my conscience, all right, at the expense of my spouse, who's going to feel terrible. So in this case, you know, my change, my amend, can be an indirect one. And one of the things in living amends is, you know, I better stop having an affa- affairs and bring my heart, my energy, my, my, you know, all those attentions back to where it belongs, to my spouse, and ask for God's guidance. So, um, you know, in, what we read here is the, the benefits of making amends. If we've continually harmed people as I had, and we haven't made any effort towards change, then there's a, there was a lot of, of people, places, and things that I had to avoid. You know, like large areas of my life became closed off to me. When, when I was willing to make amends to change, this program is all about change, those areas opened up to me again. I didn't have to avoid people. This guy going up to this congregation, he doesn't have to avoid people anymore. And this is true for, you know, for people in recovery, but, but all, any of us. So the book of Alcoholics Anonymous mentions the promises of recovery. We'll get to that in a few pages here, but they come right after the explanation of step nine. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, it says, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We won't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. That's what happened to me when justice was brought back into my life by by making these amends. So thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And who else would like to share for three minutes on what was read this morning? This is KDF. Sure, KDF, go ahead, please. Paragraph, are we supposed to be commenting on the the last one after consulting with his wife? So, yep, that would be fine. We're just commenting on the story. Sort of that whole story. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, I just wanted to focus on this one um, sentence. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. So, again, it's focusing on, you know, the willingness to be honest. And, you know, we can't project that um, this or that's going to happen, so we can't do what we, you know, know in our heart we need to do. Um, You know, making these amends is not about, um, well, you just don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a new relationship with someone. It doesn't mean that um, you're going to um, necessarily even be exonerated for something. It's about the willingness to um, go to any lengths for your recovery. And, you know, as this situation, you know, in the previous things we were reading about yesterday, you know, with the the alimony issue, they said, you know, don't just go present yourself to the court because that could, you know, have hurt everybody. But in this situation, he did just stand up in front of, you know, presumably hundreds of people and admitted what he'd done wrong. 
So it's just showing that, you know, it's not cut and dry. Every situation is not the same. And we don't do this by ourselves. It's, you have to have guidance of someone who has gone before you. And that is the purpose. You know, we talk a lot about phone calls in this meeting and in this program, and it's because people need to know us. You know, when, when push comes to shove, you need to have people in your corner because, you know, for most of us, it's not our family of origin that's going to be our, you know, the ones who can help us through bad situations. So, um, you know, we cannot keep, continue to hide what's gone on in our lives. And with God's help and with, you know, guidance from a sponsor, you will um, be directed to do the next right thing. And you have to be willing, you know, I have to be willing to do that regardless of um, the consequences. I've shared a story before where I went to my boss when I had been told to, um, to lie to him. And, you know, I had sort of deceived him and I went to him later and, you know, there was nothing free, more freeing than the feeling of knowing I was, was telling the truth. And you can't buy that. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie F. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Leanne. Kathy. Leanne. Okay, we'll start with Leanne, and then we'll go with Kathy K. Thank you. Hi. Leanne, uh, recovered in Florida. And I just wanted to share... Um, my my sponsor wanted everything to be direct. She wasn't into letters. She wanted me to be face-to-face with everybody that I possibly could. So I had this one with the father-in-law that I um, just um, had bad feelings and thoughts about and just felt uh, just irritable toward him and would talk about that with other people. And um, that wasn't something I could go to him face-to-face and say, you know, I felt this way about you. So she had me go to all the people I talked about him with, my husband, my friends, and, um, you know, say, you know, I um, I regret speaking with him in a negative way. Um, he really is, a, you know, a great person and to focus on his good qualities from now on and not to you know, say bad stuff about him anymore. But it had to be face-to-face and also a living amend in my heart toward him, you know, where I I really, really changed my attitude toward him and um, to have love toward him and to really show it in my actions. Um, So there was... I thought that was just so wise because I had to do that with so many people that I just had feelings toward that those, that was not something you could talk about with them, but it is something you I could have I could patch up with people that I I was negative about them with, and I just thought that was really um, an amazing way to make a direct amends without involving or hurting the other person, and you know to con- continue on with a living amend. So it's, it was so helpful for me to have somebody really well-versed and live in this, this life for a, a long while. And she had so many uh, interesting ways to um, make direct amends 
because that's what it said in there. You know, she didn't want me to write a letter. I had to locate the people on Facebook or, you know, call the local 411, find their address, you know, do as as much face-to-face as I possibly could. And she also had me start with people who were right in front of my face to start inward and go out, you know, start with those right here and then go out, you know, in a broadening circle. I thought that was pretty wise, too, because some of the close ones here were were tough. And, um, you know, it was really great to get the ball rolling. Once I tackled one of the harder ones, I got this, like, momentum going, and it felt like God's grace poured on really strong after doing some of the tougher ones that I, I was, like, on a roll and people and things were like popping up like wow how did this you know this person all of a sudden pops up and that one and to get them all going and um, I I really appreciated her guidance with all of that thank you I I pass thanks Leanne and Kathy Kay thanks Katie for your service Uh, this is Kathy Kay recovered compulsive overeater in Boston I want to Go back to the sentence in the middle of the last paragraph we read. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. And I realized as we read that today and as I listened to everybody that one one thing that happened to me in making these amends was I had the opportunity to practice um, refraining from people-pleasing and trying to control how people responded to my amends. Um, I remember when I first started with the first amend, I was really, really focused on how the other person was going to respond to me. And it was only in talking with my sponsor that I came to understand that that really was not my business, and instead my business was to clean off my side of the street. And this is something I never, ever did in my whole life. I was always focused on other people's reactions to me and getting them to like me and accept me and respect me. Um, And now my motive was purely to right my wrong, regardless of how the other person responded. And uh, I still practice that today in all areas of my life. It's still too easy for me um, to lose my focus and to uh, start focusing on what someone else expects or wants. And the amends process reminds me that really the only thing... I should focus on is me and my behavior and how to right my own wrongs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. And who else would like to comment on these three paragraphs? This This is is Lois. Okay, I heard Lois, but I heard someone underneath Lois. Would you please repeat your name? Amy? Okay. I've got Lois and Amy. Was there anyone I missed? Perfect. Okay, Lois, we'll start with you. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. And yes, um, this is such a, you know, a wonderful, I love the honesty this morning. I thank everybody for that. 
And um, what what came to mind for me was uh, when I was making my amends and and um, I was dealing with my adult children. I um, I was I was a very large part of my personality was um, passive aggressive. Um, a lot of the things I did in my family was sulking and silent scorn and making remarks about pushing guilt buttons, you know, in order to get my needs met. And a lot of them was covert, I believe is the word. But anyway, this was with my adult children who were in their 30s and 40s when I was trying to do this. And um, and I when I went through the fourth step with the big book and the big book step study sponsor, I really, really saw for the first time in my whole life my my behavior, my selfishness. You know, to me, it was the way I always lived all my life, and so did my family members too. And um, and so I, when I saw that it was my behavior, my my attitude, my perceptions, you know, that were causing these problems for me and my loved ones. You know, I really, you know, I I, I was very I was relieved, and I wanted to um, I wanted to change. And then in the fifth fifth, I gave it away. In the sixth and seventh, God. You know, I asked him to remove these defects of character. And then I went on to make this list, and I started with my adult children. And, and they didn't really want to hear it. You know, they were, they were, I, it seemed as though they were embarrassed, and they denied it, and they poo-pooed it. And, um, and I felt incomplete. I, you know, I really wanted to, you know, cleanse myself, I guess, which was my selfishness again. And so, you know, for me it was... I, I was confused, and I thought maybe I didn't do it right. And as I began to, you know, talk to my sponsor and 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 move on and grow in, in recovery, you know, I, I I knew that you know God was in charge of the results. And but the but the major thing I want to say is my beliefs were you know trans I was transformed. My beliefs were transformed. My beliefs and my um, perceptions, and therefore my actions changed. And, and, and it was just a natural thing for me that when something came up in a natural way with my adult children, um, I, I saw that, you know, it was a way I could put that out, you know, how I had done things in the past, and if I could, I would have rather have done something different. So, you know, it, it's kind of like an ongoing thing for me as my recovery matures, and I mature in recovery, you know, my relationships um, get smoother, and um, and I, I, my behavior, my actions are totally different today. And I try to look for ways that I can do things for my adult children and be of help to them in their lives. So I'm very, very grateful for this program, and uh, thank you very much. And I will pass. Thank you, Lois and Amy. You're next. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for your service. Thank you, everyone, so much for who has shared already. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered from Maryland. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met with widespread approval. I mean, what an incredible picture. He got up quietly, I mean, and stood up in front of the congregation. I mean, if that doesn't take courage, I don't know what, what does. But where, where is this former alcoholic, this former drunk, getting this courage? As many have said, it is his faith and his belief in a higher power that has given him the courage to get up there. 
He consulted with his sponsor. He made the decision to do it. He talked with his family. He didn't go about this lightly or impulsively or compulsively. And he literally got up with quiet confidence. Now, I'm sure he was afraid, but, you know, courage is moving forward even in the midst of the fear. And How It Works talks about, the chapter How It Works, it talks about fear. It ought to be classified with feeling because it causes, it causes us so much trouble. And personally, when it came to my amends, I was afraid as well. I was tremendously fearful, you know, for, for reasons that many of others have shared, for being prosecuted, being put in jail, so many reasons, people never speaking to me again. Yes, I too was afraid. But because of this program, I had begun to develop a relationship with God. And that God gave me strength to move forward. It says here on page 68, They trust their God. They never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. Well, we ask him him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. Yes, I had that fear, but I'll be honest with you. I was more afraid, and they've made it very clear that unless we cleaned up the wreckage of our past, we would be in bondage to this drinking and eating, this compulsive overeating. And I knew that would be the case for me. So that fear, that fear of relapse to me at that point was greater, in all honesty, than the fear of going and making those amends because I believed what they said. Again, if we go back to how it works, it says we ask for his care with complete abandon, which means we don't go back. We abandon our old ideas our own thoughts, our own way of doing things, we abandon that. That's what I had to do. I had to abandon those old ways. And as terrifying as the new and the unknown were, I had made that decision to trust and rely on God, on a power greater than myself, to help me do these things. And I can tell you, for every amend I made, I built this faith and this relationship because God came with me for every amend that I made, just like he did with this guy who stood up in front of a congregation and was able to make his amends. For every amend I made, I also had my God with me as well, and that continued to grow in my faith. Again, someone was mentioning, I think it was Larry, about the promises. We will know that God is doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. And for every amend, I moved away from the fear and more towards God and more towards confidence in what this program was doing to transform me in fantastic and miraculous ways. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Paula. May I comment? Sure, Paula. Please go ahead. And thank you, Katie G. I have been listening actively. And now we come into the next thing. After listening, there must be an action that must follow. And as I was reading this, we read the last line. I'm going to scoot to the last line in the first paragraph. It says, in fact, his rival was ruined. He was ruined. He was ruined. It wasn't just one. It was two here because it begins with wild drinking. Then it goes on. And I'm going to scoot right on down, and I'm going to end this quickly even though it went on for a lifetime. That last line, this all happened years ago. Do you see what happened years ago and what continued? We began in the beginning, what started with a lie and destruction. That's what the disease is. 
then yes, truly, we do come into the promises here. We make amends. We right the wrongs. But then it ends with, this all happened years ago. It was really not an ending, but a beginning of a life, a life recovered. Thank you for allowing me to share. That I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Hanayetta. May I share, Katie? Yes, Hanayetta. Please go ahead. Thank you. You know, this little things that we just read were are so paramount. It, it's just incredible. I remember back way, way, way back when, when I first did my first time of events, and I had to make some pretty big amends, some really big financial amends. And um, and some things that I had to do could have gotten me into trouble, maybe even jail. And I never thought I could do it. I never thought I could approach people and tell them what I had done. And yet I did. And of course, hindsight is awesome. You know, of course, my, my strength came from God. You know, of course it did. You know, because on my own, I, I don't have strength. And, you know, people would say, oh, you, you have such willpower. And I'll say, no, I have God power. You know, and, and, and that's what I have in my life today. I have God's power. So I can be, um, and I didn't say, I'm sorry, I'm Sana Yessa, and I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body from Dallas, from Plano, Texas. So, um, and I really just wanted to kind of ditto what a lot of people have already said, but just put in to say that if, if, when I'm afraid, when I'm really afraid and things in my life are going cuckoo, like yesterday, um, I, I, I botch it all up and I say things that I wish I hadn't said. And if I could just, when I pause and I ask God to come into the picture, then I can say things with a loving heart and kind and considerate instead of mean and hateful. And so um, I'm so grateful that I have this program and I'm so grateful that I can listen to this meeting today. Uh, on my way to work. So thank you so much uh, for letting me share. Thank you, Katie, for your service and everybody else. Thanks, Hanayetta. And anyone else like to comment on what was read? Okay, so we will move on to our third paragraph. Sally, will you please read the, the next paragraph, please? Yes, I'm right here at Sally A. in South Jersey. We're starting with the chances are. Correct, yes. Katie? Yeah, okay. thanks, Sally. Chances are that domestic troubles, perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion. Sally, we've lost you. Sally, please press star one. We can't hear you. Sally? Okay, it seems like we've lost Sally. Um, did I miss anyone that wanted to share this morning on what we read? I'm back, Katie. Do you want me to go ahead and read that oh, or no? Oh, delightful. I would love you to <laughs> to start reading Thanks. again, Sally. That would be great. Thank Thanks. you. You're welcome. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. 
Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if, in this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people, but drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with a girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may be, that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Well, a lot has been said here, and we don't have a lot of time, so I will um, just say Sally, we lost you again. Okay, I think I'll just pass. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, Sally. And who would like to comment uh, on what we just read, please? Anyone else like to share? Well, this is Katie G, and I'm recovered for today, compulsive overeater. So grateful to be on the line and learning about um, the amends process. And um, it's true, like we like we read in the fourth step, we'd hardly be human if we didn't have our sex problems. And um, you know, I, I think for me, um, I did take some actions around some sex amends, um, and I prayed to God and thought I was on the right track, and um, I actually, you know, was told by, by somebody, gee, you know, I don't really want to dredge up the past, but um, what was really amazing were um, the amends that I made. I was involved with a married man, and he had three children, and God put on my heart to um, do some research, and I donated money, um, a, 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 an uncomfortable amount of money for me at the time, um, because that's what was going to make it worth it for me, um, to a program called Divorce Care. It was a support group for children with divorced parents. And I just, um, for me, it was really uh, important to acknowledge all the people that my sex conduct had harmed, um, you know, and uh, and how I had created this, um, a lot of, um, oh, I'm sorry, is, is, is something else going on on the line? how I created a lot of, I manufactured a lot of mis- misery for a lot of people. Um, and, um, you know, I I needed to get clean with God and, and figure out how to make amends and, and, and especially to change who I am moving forward. You know, am I going forward in a relationship because I want my needs to be met? Or am I going forward and saying, God, I surrender the outcome. How how and who do you want me to be today? So this is a life-transforming process. For me, my experiences I made um, initially, 
over uh, 100 amends because um, I did a lot of damage. And, you know, I continue, as other people have said, I run into problems during the day. And when I do, I consult with God. I follow the instructions, and I'm able to immediately set right the wrongs. And that is a miracle, you know, because people want the truth. You know, they want, they want the truth, and uh, owning up to my mistakes is the truth. Um, so if you're new and or you're writing, keep writing. This is a miraculous, life-changing, life-saving, as we've heard, vital uh, program of recovery. And with that, it is at 7.55 this morning, and I would like to especially thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'd like to see um, if Sally, are you available to read a vision for you? Yes, Katie, I'm right here. It's still Sally. South Jersey. Okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.